Well, for the next two weeks, I want to talk through the Christmas story. And I want, to, I want to tell it a little bit like a movie, try to get into the narrative. I want to try to give you some of the background, some of the historical realities, and, uh, and just paint some of the pictures, some of the emotions. See, we got two problems with the, with the Christmas story. The first is the big one, and that is that we are over-familiar with it. Like, as soon as I start talking about the Christmas story, you all know, right? Okay, census, manger, baby, got it. You probably have heard this every year of your lives, probably multiple times a year. And so there's such an over-familiarization that's very easy for us to just, like, cruise control, you know what I mean? Like, not think about it, not worry about the story. It's, like, too familiar, The other problem with this story is that we've sung about it so much, we've told it so much, and we've expected so much, that that there are these extra pieces on the Christmas story that have gotten sort of added on, like barnacles on the ship, right? And there's all these extra barnacles around the story itself, and because we're so over-familiar, we can't tell the difference between ship and barnacles. Like, we, we can't always tell what's in the real story and what's been sort of added to the story over the years, and so I want to get into the story and, and get in there and kind of wiggle around a little bit and wrestle with it and think about it like a movie and play out some of the scenes. And I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between Matthew and Luke a little bit. I'm going to be filling in some stuff that's not in the scripture, but sort of wondering what it might have been like to try to give us a little sense of, uh, of what this story is all about. So th- today we're going to go to Nazareth and then next week we'll go to Bethlehem. Okay, we're going to kind of divide it up that way. Nazareth is in the area of the Galilee, which is to the north of Jerusalem around the Sea of Galilee. And what we know from archaeology is that there were a lot of people moving to this region, a lot of a lot of cities being built right about the time from the first century B.C. to the first century A.D. There was this new technology that got invented. It was called a cistern. Okay, now, now before that, everybody had to live near water. You had to live near a well, you had to live live near a spring, live near a river, you had to live near some kind of water source. But when they developed this idea of a cistern, they got the ability to collect rainwater, put it into a place, and then keep it all year round. And in Israel, there's not a lot of rain, but in the Galilee region to the north, there's a decent amount of rain in the rainy season, which is sort of anywhere from like November to February. So kind of through the winter. They don't have real winter, but it's rainy season. And actually, there's enough rain up there that the desert turns green. You get grasses everywhere. And in the summer, it all dries up. But that rain is enough that with cisterns, they could actually start to live. So right around then, as they get cisterns, all kinds of people started moving. All kinds of new towns start moving and start getting created. Right, right then, right in that like 100-year period. And uh, that's why there's this... this girl named Mary, who moves there probably with her parents, but she has a relative we know in Jerusalem. Well, that was probably true of a lot of people, because they probably moved from Jerusalem up to this new growing region. Then there's this man named Joseph. He's called a tecton in the scripture. Now, we translate this carpenter, but almost certainly he's not a carpenter. There's not enough wood to make a job, make a living as a carpenter. He's probably like a general contractor. He probably does a lot of stuff with stone, okay? a lot of stuff um, with, with making sort of bricks, thatch roofs, yes, some wood, but uh, probably kind of a general contractor. And so if, if you're a general contractor, where do you want to move, right, to where you're going to actually have a bunch of work? You move where everybody's building new towns and new houses. 
He moved to Galilee. And so we've got this guy who's from Bethlehem, but makes a journey up to this new area of the Galilee to start building, because you can find a ton of good work there. Maybe he hasn't even made a formal permanent residence up there. He's just sort of temporarily there at this point. But he ends up working out something with another family and getting betrothed to this girl named Mary. Again, her family, probably from Jerusalem, probably part of the same population move up to the Galilee. So let me pick up in the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Now, let's, let's, let's try to picture the story. Mary is young, okay? In those days, women got married right about when they could bear children. And so, so for her to be betrothed but not yet married meant um, she is in her early, early teens. Um, probably a lot of men were actually older when they got married, okay? Sometimes even remarried. And so Joseph is older, and that makes sense because we have a story of Joseph when Jesus is 12 years old. He takes him to the temple. But after that, we don't have Joseph anymore. Joseph isn't around for any of the adult stories, which means he probably passed away, which would have been likelier because he was going to be older than Mary. This actually helps explain why Jesus never got married. Okay, If he was the eldest son and his father died, he was expected to take care of the family business and to take care of his mother, and so he never got married. So Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Now, we've got to get this straight. Betrothal in those days was more than engagement. Okay, Engagement is one thing, but in those days, betrothal was a legally binding agreement. Okay, Because the text is very clear in the, in the Matthew version. If Joseph wants to break this off, he has to legally divorce her. Okay, So what you would do is you would get legally betrothed, like being married without living together, and it was kind of the way that the family agreed with the, the spouse. And then when it was time for the actual wedding, when the girl was actually old enough to get married because she was old enough to have children, then she would leave her father and mother's house and actually move in with her betrothed. They would have a wedding. Therefore, they were married. So she is betrothed, but she's not yet living with Joseph. Everybody's got this. She's still living with her parents. 
And in fact, she and Joseph, he's, she's still a virgin. So they have not lived together at all at this point. So finally, so Mary has a visit from an angel. The angel Gabriel says to her, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. And the text says, Luke tells, says she is troubled at the greeting, which I always find funny because I'd probably be troubled by the angel. Anybody else? <laughs> like the angel can say whatever he wants to me. I'm going to be troubled by the angel. The angel is what I would freak out about. But she is actually troubled by the greeting, kind of a strange greeting coming from this strange being. The angel tells her not to be afraid. In the Bible, angels most of the time say not to be afraid. Okay, the, the angels, I think it's like first day angel school kind of stuff. When you're an angel, you're being trained at angel training. They're like, okay, first thing you got to say, say, do not be afraid because they, they're going to be afraid. You just need to know every time, say, don't be afraid. So tells her, fear not, but then tells her five things that she has found favor with God, that she will conceive in her womb and bear a son. She will name her son Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the most high. And that he's going to rule in the throne of his of King David forever. Now, if you got that instruction from an angel, you probably would have a lot of questions, right? But what is the first question that Mary asks? How is that going to work? <laughs> okay? That is the most obvious question of this whole thing. Like if, 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 if an angel tells you all this stuff's going to happen later, okay. But the, but the pregnancy thing, we got to get over that hump first, right? We got to find out what is going to happen here. How is this going to be since I am a virgin? And so what the angel says is that the, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. And it, it's kind of a weird description. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And people have wondered and wondered about what happened in this miraculous moment. All I could tell you is it's a miraculous moment. Okay? If I could explain it, it wouldn't be that miraculous. But it actually is miraculous. Clearly, it's sort of meant to be a mystery. And, and even, even Luke, who is writing this, let's remember, what does Luke do for a living? Anybody know? He's a physician. He's a doctor. Okay? He knows how pregnancy kind of works. Okay? And you know what he, he says? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That's how the doctor is prescribing this at this point. Now, as a sign to her, Gabriel tells her that her relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. If you were reading Luke straight through, you'd already know this. I skipped over this part. Because actually, Luke starts not with Mary and Joseph. Luke starts with Elizabeth and Zechariah. Hey, Zechariah, you got to go back and read this for yourself. He, he goes into the temple and... Uh, an angel visits him there and explains that his wife's going to have a baby. Well, she is past the age where she can have children. Okay? They did know about this kind of stuff too. The doctor had clearly told her, no more. She had been called barren her whole life. They hadn't had children. And then her womb is opened. And so she is going to have a child. Now, the text says relative. We don't know what kind of relative she was. Um, she was probably either an aunt or a cousin. would make a lot of sense. Um, because she's old, a lot older than Mary, I think aunt is a good possibility, but a distant cousin, whatever. And probably, if her family moved from Jerusalem, she knew Elizabeth pretty well. Probably Elizabeth watched her as she, when she was a child. So, God tells Zechariah that they're going to have a baby. They end up, they're going to have a baby. And do you know what the baby's name is going to be? John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, okay? And uh, so Mary, 
finds out that her, her, uh, her aunt's cousin, whatever it is, is pregnant. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go see this thing. Like, if that's a sign from an angel, I'm going to go see what's going on there. And so she goes to visit Elizabeth. And as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's words, the, the baby John the Baptist in her belly starts doing cartwheels, starts moving around, gets all excited. Why? Because John the Baptist's whole purpose in life was to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And he got started early. Okay, he started in the womb. He didn't wait until they were both born. So in response, Mary sings a song called the Magnificat. Again, you should go back and read it. It's this wonderful proclamation of who Jesus is and what he's going to do. We have this song at Christmas we, we like to sing called Mary Did You Know? Have you ever heard this? Mary, did you know that your baby boy? She knew. Okay, She sang a song about it. She was told about it. She knew. She, there's a whole lot of this that she knew about what Jesus was going to be. And yet at the same time, there's a whole lot she's surprised about. She knows how important this is. But, but we also need to remember, as Mary finds out about this, she doesn't know how this is going to play out. What's the rest of her family going to think? Do you ever think about that conversation? Hey, mom, dad. So there was an angel in my room last night. Right. We're going to believe that. Okay, there's an angel in my room last night and told me that the Holy Spirit is going to... What? Like, what are you talking about? Can you imagine telling Joseph this? Imagine Joseph hearing about this. Now, we don't know exactly when Mary tells Joseph. Okay, um, in the movie The Nativity, uh, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth without telling Joseph that she's pregnant. She comes back several months later and is starting to show, and then they have the conversation. Right? I mean, how do you have that conversation even? We, we need to remember this as we read the story. That you know the Christmas story, but Mary and Joseph didn't know it. They'd never been to a Christmas uh, Eve service. They'd never sing, sung a little town of Bethlehem. They don't know how any of this is going to happen. Totally surprising to them. She doesn't know how her family's... And you know what? If, if you were an adulterer, do you know what they did to you? They stoned you. They stoned you. Do you know what your husband could do? He could divorce you. And as a woman, in those days, you could not testify in court. Which means whatever Joseph says about you is what everybody's going to hear about you because you don't get to say anything. Like, this is terrifying for Mary. This is terrifying for Mary. And nobody's buying the angel excuse. Okay? Everybody's got the whole, the whole rest of their lives. Mary and Joseph are going to walk around with a cloud with little whispers about who they were and what they did. So when Mary says to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Know how amazingly faithful that statement is. Know how amazingly trusting Mary is to say, hey, whatever happens, I'm going to go with what you say, Lord. Okay? Stoning, whatever is going to end up. I'm just going to trust. You're going to have to protect me through this. But what's Joseph going to do? Well, it, we just read Luke. Luke is really written from Mary's perspective. Now let's read in Matthew, because Matthew is really written from Joseph's perspective. Okay, so here is Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So from Joseph's perspective now, Joseph is betrothed to Mary. And he has been honorable with her. Okay, He has not taken advantage of her. He hasn't done anything. He has been an honorable, just, decent man. He's been waiting for his wedding night. But then she's found to be with child. At least she says it's by the Holy Spirit. I wonder how Mary Mary told him. (laughs) Like, hey, so listen. Right? Imagine these conversations. Like, like we've, we've heard this story our whole lives. But imagine the actual conversations that take place. Imagine Joseph going to talk to her parents and say, I know what this looks like, but it was not me. Okay? Imagine the dialogue. So what's he going to do? You got to understand the terrible dilemma that Joseph is in. If he marries Mary, then he is fundamentally confessing that it's his child. Okay? That would have been a shame in that culture. He's confessing, it's my child, I'm taking care of the child. If he divorces her, then what he's supposed to do is publicly shame her for um, having adultery. He's supposed to publicly say, she had a child, it's not my child. Remember, she can't testify to the the contrary. And you know what's going to happen to her? She's going to get stoned. In a little conservative town of Nazareth, she's going to get stoned. So what does Joseph do? And how long does it take him to come up with a decision? See, that's the other thing. It bothers me sometimes in in the text, the stuff we don't hear, like the timeline. Like, is it four weeks from where Joseph finds out to where he finally gets an angel in his dream that tells him? Like, what kind of torment is he going through? This angel doesn't say fear not of being an angel. This angel actually tells him, don't be afraid to marry Mary. That's what he's actually afraid of right now. How long has this been going on? How long has the dialogue been going on in Joseph's head? What have all the other community members told Joseph he should do? So what's he going to do? Well, his solution is to divorce her quietly. So what he's going to do is he's going to go quietly to her, not in front of the whole town, which means what he's doing is risking his own shame. Because if he does this quietly, everybody's going to assume that maybe it was his. There's always going to be questions. Instead of actually telling the community what happened, he's just going to quietly. So what what he's willing to do, everybody catch this. Joseph is willing to bear on his own shoulders some of the shame for Mary to protect her from being stoned. Okay, he's willing to risk his own reputation because that's what he would be risking to allow Mary to live. And yet he's not going to take care of the child that's not his. But then he has a dream. And in a dream, he seems, sees an angel. In Matthew, there's a lot of dreams. There's five dreams in the, in the uh, Christmas story. And Joseph is a part of most of those dreams, which makes a lot of sense because there was this guy in the Old Testament named Joseph who also was involved in a number of dreams. 
So the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He explains to him what's going to happen, gives him the name, Jesus. And Matthew says, because he's going to save the people, the word Jesus is the same basic Hebrew word as the word for saved. And so there's a, there's a play on words. It's the actual meaning of the name Jesus Matthew gives us. I wonder if, by the way, the name Jesus is given to both Mary and Joseph separately. It doesn't say that. You know, in one, Mary gets the name Jesus, and the other one, Joseph gets the name Jesus. But I wonder if that's part of the confirmation, right? If when they finally sit down, Joseph's like, okay, I saw an angel in a dream, and he told me this, and guess what? He told me the name was Jesus. And then Mary starts to cry because she was told the name was Jesus, and she hadn't told anybody yet. I don't know that, but I just wonder, it's just interesting that they both get told the name. And so Joseph wakes up and does what the angel says. He marries Mary. He brings her then into his house. Probably he goes ahead and marries her and brings her into his house because some of her family members are not happy. Okay? Probably some of her uh, own brothers are mad about the whole situation. Maybe even her own parents are, are, are ready to disown her because of the shame of what has happened. And so to protect her, Joseph takes her in to his house, protects her from neighbors, from maybe even her parents or her family. And Joseph, who is willing to care for her and protect her in her shame, now protects her and cares for her in pursuit of God's will together. And I wonder how many times as a couple they told these stories, right? Tell me the angel part again. Like, tell me the dream again. I wonder if it was, and I wonder if they were, they were always kind of pondering what's going on here. Probably reviewing the events, talking about this. What, what would it be like to raise the son of the most high? I wonder if they sat around thinking like, which, what's Jesus going to be like when he's two? All right. Um, how are we going to, how are we going to teach Jesus? What's Jesus going to know? Is he going to know who he is? Are we going to have to explain to him who he is? Like, like, there's all kinds of questions, real honest questions about how you raise the son of the most high. See, we don't think about the reality of this for these two people as they try to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to do this as a family? What does it mean to be a family with the son of God in the room? They're going to have to do a lot of this planning on the road, though, because they're not going to be able to stay there. They're going to have to go to Bethlehem and then eventually they're going to have to go to Egypt. But, but those are sermons for the next couple weeks. For today, we leave him in Nazareth. And let us just consider that this beautiful story that we sing about, that we set up models for, was full of scary futures, difficult conversations, broken relationships. See, maybe this Christmas, some of us are going through some of those same things. Some scary futures, difficult conversations, broken relationships. Like the, 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 actual, the actual difficulty of this story may be the most appealing part of the story that we skip over so often because we're so over-familiar with it. Maybe this Christmas, as we all feel some of those, those challenges, those family challenges, those real dynamics of how am I going to get through this next year that Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, were struggling with. Maybe, maybe this year we need to look at the story a little differently. Maybe we need to have the faith of Mary Maybe we need to live the life of, of justice and of honor of Joseph. And maybe we need to consider, like they did, the way in which Jesus does save. So this Christmas, open your mind a little bit to the story in a little different ways. 
Because I think when you do, you're going to find a story that's actually your story. Amen.